Hey everyone, and welcome back to a very special episode of Canadian Gamers, where we talk about our game of the year. And this year is going to be absolutely hilarious, because Steven played about how many games this year? 20,000? 30,000? Actually, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, because uh, when I did my list, I had 12 games on it. So there's probably around, I played probably around 16 or 17 games this year. Not bad. And it's always like this for us. So that's why I I, I told you not to take too, this too seriously because the, the games that we play, even though there's tons of games that I did not play that probably wouldn't make this list if I did. There's a reason we play the games we do. Sometimes it's, uh, it's more... Uh, it's time-related. Sometimes it's more convenient to play a, a certain game besides another one. So this is basically just for fun. So stop being such a baby. And I also want to mention to you guys that maybe this is your first Game of the Year video. We've done like five or six from now on. Uh, our rules are pretty loose. <laughs> so basically, if a game was released on a system <laughs> in, in 2018, even though that game is an old game, we count it. For example, in 2016, Jared Game of the Year was Pokemon Yellow, which came out in 1999. So, we are pretty loose with our rules. I think Jared will even include a game that was released on the 21st of December of 2017. But, uh, like we've discussed, it doesn't matter. We weren't even aware of that game back then, and we did our Game of the Year video last year before that date, I believe. So it's all good and fair. So this is basically just for fun. So I'll let you speak a little. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, that's basically all I wanted uh, to say as well, uh, was just that. Because uh, sometimes people, like, you might be new to the channel or you may be a long-time follower. If you're a long-time viewer, well, then you know how stupid and ridiculous uh, we are. Uh, we, we don't take this serious at all. And not only that, but <clears throat> we... Like Stephen said, we just we don't game as much as we used to anymore, and while that's sad and boohoo, we're crying. Um, it's still fun, right? It's still really fun to do these sorts of lists, and it was funny because like what Stephen was saying was absolutely true in the sense that before we started this, I I basically told him like, uh, how the hell am I going to do a top ten when I played like nine games this year? Uh, but he gave me some ideas. He gave me some inspiration. So I have a few trailers in here, like movie trailers and stuff <laughs> like that. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, yeah. Okay. So just so that you guys have a, an understanding so that if you're curious why you don't see certain games, uh, one thing that you might want to do, though, uh, just a little caveat, is you may want to go and listen to last year's list. Uh, if you're a big Dragon Quest fan or something like that, because like Steven said, we do kind of bend the rules a little bit. And, uh, for example, like last year, Dragon Quest 11 was way up there for me for one, one reason, because I, that's when I played the game. So I think that's important to sort of, uh, distinguish because as a Dragon Quest fan, you'll see that Dragon Quest 11 is nowhere to be found this year. So with that out of the way, uh, do you want me to start or do you want to start and then we'll alternate? Oh, I, I'll start. I just want to mention, like, usually you have some uh, honorable mention and I always complain about that. But this year I actually want to do some. Uh, quickly, I just want to mention South Park, uh, The Fractured But Whole, 
Uh, I know it's a 2017 game, but it came out on the Switch in 2018. Uh, I thought it was a really, really awesome game. Just not on the same level as the Stick of Truth. Also, Pokemon Quest really, really surprised me. I thought it was a wonderful game. I, I found it addicting. I'm a bit disappointed that the it came out earlier, I think in June, and they still haven't released DLC for it, which sucks because it has a lot of potential and it's probably the least supported mobile Pokemon game yet. Every other game out there, including like Magic Up Jump, have seen updates. This one hasn't, which is a bit sad. Uh, lastly, Kirby Battle Royale for the uh, 3DS came out, I believe, January 26th. And it's not really a game that got high scores, but I had a blast with that one. And just wanted to quickly uh, mention it. And just a few games that, like Spider-Man and God of War, but especially Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. Uh, if this was Steven from 10 years ago and was single and had no kids, like I would have been all over those games. But unfortunately, I just don't have much time to play console games anymore. As you'll see, I only have one game that's not a Switch game on my list. So you'll see that, unfortunately, that's just a reality of my life. That doesn't mean that the games I haven't played here are not good. Of course, like God of War won Game of the Year this year at the Game Awards. So, like, there are a lot of games that I, I and Jared haven't had the chance to play this year, of course. So, that's why I just wanted to mention this quickly. So, for me, my number 10 is a game uh, you gave me for my birthday uh, this July, which is Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, I believe the name of the game is. And <coughs> this is a game that really caught me by surprise because I expected to play this for, like, an hour and just mess around with it because I never really played Street Fighter 3 and the original Street Fighter either, but I ended up playing this a lot more than I thought. Uh, unfortunately, I I could only play basically in portable mode, so I, my fingers were hurting because I had to play with the uh, joystick because uh, the D-pad and the Joy-Con sucks. And then I ordered the D-pad Joy-Con, but I still haven't gotten back to that. But I know I will test that D-pad with the... Uh, what was it? The SNK collection you bought me for Christmas? That yep. one I can't wait to uh, try it out with. And then I'll, I'm sure I'll go back to Street Fighter eventually because there was still a few modes I wanted to try out or maybe a few. Uh, I think Street Fighter 3 uh, Second Impact, was it? The second one? I think I did not touch much, so I wanted to play that one a bit. But yep. that, besides that, I really had a blast. And I thought that collection was fantastic for the price. I don't know how much you paid for it, but... I don't think it was very expensive, and it has a lot and a lot of stuff in it. So really, really recommend it. That's awesome, actually. Uh, I'm glad to see that on your list. And it would be nice if I had friends that would buy me, you know, stuff like that. But alas, <laughs> I have friends who buy me stuff like my number 10, which, to be very fair, uh, I've only just started this particular game. And some of the games that are going to be on this list will be as such, okay? So... Uh, Moonlighter is a game that Steven just got me for Christmas. I've put in, um, I put in a little bit of time, okay? I'm not gonna say I put in like 40 hours. I haven't even put in 5 hours. Um, but I just started it out and it's actually a really, really good game. And it's one of those games where I'm, I'm finding I'm using that, that controller that I got there, <coughs> um, quite a
quite a bit for it. That uh, what was it called? The eight bit though controller or whatever, uh, because it's perfect for those styles of games, like two D games. And I don't have too too much to say. This was kind of my cheat. All the other games in in the list, now that I look at it, are actually games that I've devoted quite a substantial amount of times. Not necessarily games that I've completed, but games that uh, I've put in quite a bit of time. So I'm putting Moonlighter as number 10, and I know that's kind of cheap. Uh, but it is what it is. I've really enjoyed it. It's a Zelda... I don't want to say a Zelda clone. It is a game that's been inspired by Zelda, where you run a shop and you run into a dungeon that seems to be changing every time I go into it. It's uh, very difficult, too. It it does have difficult uh, settings, and depending on what you want to do, like you could play it... Its default setting is hard, which is what I'm playing on right now, but I'm getting my butt like handed to me. So, yeah, it's a very, very fun game, and I'm pretty sure this would have actually have gotten a lot higher on the list uh, had I just played it a little bit more. And since you had an honorable mention, uh, I would like one honorable mention that I would like to mention here is Dragon Quest Builders 2. I haven't downloaded that as of the time of this recording. However, I'm fairly certain I'm going to pick it up on the Japanese eShop. And I'm, I know it's coming to North America. We just, as usual, we don't know when it's coming. So I, I kind of on purpose was like, you know, I'd, I'd rather leave that until I have a chance to actually go through it. So you can expect that to probably pop up on next year's list, probably for the both of us. Uh, and yeah. so I forgot that we're the way we alternate. So I do number nine now, right? Yeah, I just wanted to mention about Moonlighter. Uh, yep. I'm glad you you gave it a, a shot. Like, I have it also. And, like, as soon as I'm done with Diablo and I want to try SNK stuff, I'm going to go right in there because I saw some videos on it. And this looks like a game I would adore because, like, I like the roguelike elements, especially since... I like when roguelites, they, they don't punish you for dying. It seems in this game that the more you play, the more you die, the more actual stuff you gain and you can sell and then you can buy new weapons. I kind of like that stuff. And of course, the visual style of it is awesome. Yeah, and I'm serious. I'm not joking when I say that. Like, I'm fairly certain that this would actually go, like, it would get higher on my list. And also, just to be fair to myself here, uh, ever since I, I've gone back to school, my time is, is just gone, guys. So, like, during school, I don't play games whatsoever. Uh, I'm hoping that this semester I'll be able to, like, when I go and sit down and relax, not every night, but every once in a while, maybe, maybe I'll be able to log on some time with Steven in Diablo 3, and we'll, we'll get to that when we uh, get a little higher. So, number nine is, um, I'm going to just say it. Number nine is probably my biggest disappointment of the year. And I I still haven't been able to grasp why. And that is Octopath Traveler. I was very hyped about this. Steven was saying, you know, if they would have named this Final Fantasy 27, it would have been, uh, it would have been really something and whatever. I think my problem that I had with this game was the fact that the stories just weren't that compelling. Like, they were good, and I enjoyed each, like, of the characters that I played, I enjoyed their own particular stories. I just never found, I don't know, like, it never hooked me, and it's one of the the very few 
Square Enix RPGs that I never bothered to go like go crazy with. Usually with these types of games, I would just go absolutely nuts, would have played through every single character's story and and just went totally nuts, but it just didn't grab me for whatever for whatever reason. Okay, cool because my number 9 <coughs> Uh, sorry about that, guys. I have kind of a little cough, and I think you do too because I've heard you. So you might hear some uh, coughing here and there. Uh, my number nine is also my most disappointing game of the year, which is Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. And now, to be fair, this has turned up to be much, much better than I thought it would be. Like, if you've followed the podcast, you've known that since this was announced, I've been crapping all over it. But it turned out to be actually a pretty, pretty decent game. I... And you can go see my review of it. Unfortunately, my review, I believe, I made it too long because usually my uh, the Pokemon stuff does fare, fares a lot better, especially the reviews on our site. But this one doesn't seem to catch on, but that's okay. And I, the problem I have with this game is that now after, I'm 65 hours in and there's just nothing left for me to do. <laughs> like there's, usually with Pokemon games, there's a lot more content and post-game stuff for you to do in this case like there's only 151 or 53 technically with the Meltal and Melmetal Pokemon to capture so completing the decks took me like basically a, not even a week after the game was out I had the decks and everything and then you have this master trainers which I've already explained why they were terrible I've, I've done like 25 or 20 or 30 of those but still like I uh, I don't see those really as compelling. If the battle tree or something like that would have been in this game, at least that would have been nice, or even some decent online features. Like I said, uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, which came out in tw- in 2006, had better online features than this. So for this reason, this usually Pokemon games are near the top or at the top of my list, but this, year, uh, this year's offering was a bit uh, disappointing for me. Okay. Uh, number eight for me is Red Dead Redemption 2. Now, like I mentioned before, this is a game that 10 years Steven ago, like a single with no kids, would have like demolished this game. This would have probably been near the top, if not number one this year, but it's just reality of life. I only put about 12 hours into this game, but from what I've played, this is simply a superb game, and I can understand without a doubt why this is many people's game of the year it's just probably one of the best games ever made in terms of quality like it's (coughs) such a nicely and well done game i really had a blast with the 12 hours i wish i could have played more and i i wish i could i I could still technically go back to it in the future but uh it's a real real possibility that i might never do but still what i played was really excellent awesome you're you're making me cry. Red Dead Redemption is one of those games where uh, maybe one year ago Jared would have uh, been all over that. Even with Spider-Man, God of War, uh, but alas, this new educated Jared uh, <laughs> can't uh, can't do that. Uh, okay, so number eight, and you'll see as we go through this, uh, Stephen constantly complains to me. You, you, like you have no idea. He he's basically like uh, my child, where he's just <laughs> always bitching at me to get him stuff, and and how I never play any of the games he gets me, and and how I'm not a good lover, all kinds of stuff, <laughs> and it's just it's totally ridiculous. 
even though he ditched me completely while I was in school, like I, I had no entertainment whatsoever just because he didn't like my replies of yes, no, sounds good. So he just decided, you know what, screw that Jared guy. I'm going to ignore him completely, which was really nice. And what does this have to do with anything? Well, it's because my my next couple of games are all either gifts from Steven or recommendations from Steven and so on and so forth. So Code of Princess EX, this was what, a birthday gift? Yep. Yeah, so this again, so this was a gift that I never played, apparently. Uh, this was a great game. Now, I don't want to screw this up. So this was based on a 3DS game or was this based on um, on another platform? A 2DS. That's what I thought. Okay. This is a, a hack and slash uh, game, very, very reminiscent of Guardian Heroes on the Saturn. Now, I know, I know, every time I make references like that, like, a good chunk of the listeners go, huh? But uh, Guardian Heroes was a phenomenal, phenomenal RPG light hack and slash game. And this this follows in the same vein. This was an excellent game, an absolutely excellent game. And one of the, one of the only games that I played all year, Steven is actually like my lifeline to the game industry now. So when he disappears, I literally know nothing of nothing. Uh, it's pretty sad actually. This was a really, really good one. It was a little rough around the edges in certain places, but overall I found this to be just a really good remaster. Although again, to be fair, I never played the, the original, so I, I don't know. I don't know like how great the uh, the quality was, but overall, in terms of game, was a really really good game. I don't yeah, know if I, you want to add anything to that. I uh, I destroyed the 3ds version of that game, and uh, I put the uh, I put the Code of Princess EX on my wish list, but you never bought it for me, you cheap bastard. So I wanted to check, but I I, I don't know. I think from what I've heard, it's a pretty solid uh, solid port. And it it adds a few things. However, I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, I really I really love that game. One of the 3ds hidden gems. Okay, well that's good to know. I can uh, I can purchase you that. You know, along with your 19 other games. But uh, yeah, yeah, get to that. <laughs> so okay, so number seven is another Steven game, and this is a game that he was like, oh, stop being cheap and just get me footage. Stop getting uh, you know just, just nonstop complaining. And uh, it's Night in the Woods. This was a, a very, very good game. It's one of these, um, I, I forget what I refer to it as. It's like a, a simulator almost where, in the sense of like a life simulator, it's one of these types of things where you're not going to be going around and, and you know, having some monumental epic journey in the sense of action and adventure. You're actually like living this character's life which is very reminiscent of Steven's life, actually. Um, and it's all different animals and stuff like that. It's about basically a, a, a school dropout that goes back home. And I know I just insulted Steven, like, uh, <laughs> like in some way. Some people are like, oh, wow, that's nice. <laughs> that's not what I mean. I'm just saying that, like, uh, it's... I it's, am, though, a school dropout that went back home. Yeah, and your home, like, you know, it's a tiny, tiny little place. And so it's all, you know, like, the, the lifeline of the, the town is got to do with 
you know, whatever industry that it's associated with. So, like, in Stephen's case, you know, like, if we're talking about, like, logging or mines or something like that, if anything happens to the industry, that town lives or dies based on the industry. And this was very, very reminiscent of Night in the Woods. Uh, you know, there were people, you know, without jobs and stuff like that. And so it really tells a really compelling story. And I played this... Um, shortly after I played that Gone Home, I think is what the game was called on the, the PlayStation 4 and other various uh, platforms, <coughs> where it's basically you're just coming home and, and you're reading about your sister, I think it was, um, who's coming out of the closet type of thing. And anyways, that's a really another one that is an exceedingly powerful game in a very different manner. Uh, than you're, you're typically used to, or at least that I'm typically used to. So anyways, without going on for 17 hours here, Night in the Woods was my uh, number seven, and again, it comes from uh, Steven. Very, uh, very excellent game, that one. Okay. For me, at number seven is a game uh, Jared and I are currently playing, and it's Diablo 3, I believe it's Eternal Collection, or yep. something yeah, like yeah. that on the Switch. Uh, this... I don't know what happened with this because I played Diablo 3 before on the PC with my brother-in-law for a bit. Then my account got hacked and never went back. I bought it on the PS3 and played with another friend a few years ago and barely touched it. Like six years ago, I believe, or five years ago I played it. And then I heard you were playing it and I thought I'd give it another chance. And I was wondering how much because I had no idea how much of a fan you were, but it turns out you're a pretty huge Diablo guy, so you were able to uh, show me how to play this, or at least like try to show me. I'm a pretty uh, hard learner or stupid guy. I don't know what you want to call it. It takes me forever to learn these things, but I've been having a blast playing this, and uh, I'm probably close to uh, 20 or 30 hours in, and uh, still planning to play. Uh, I know that I probably will stop once you stop because I'm, I I can't see you play this when you're in school, so that sucks. But at least like I know that I finally experienced the game, and I I, I can't wait to try a few other characters and whatnot. So yeah, uh, this Switch really really uh, awesome game on the Switch. If you've never played this, really worth the asking price. There's a lot of content here, and it's a game one of these games that keeps going on forever it seems so really recommend Diablo 3 and at number 6 I have Luigi's Mansion on the 3DS uh, the remake of the Gamecube game uh, this came out in September I believe and it's my only 3DS game this year on the list which is a bit sad but it's awesome like uh, we, I played this in like 2 settings I believe it's just so addicting it's not really long it's a short game but the only problem I have with it is that uh, the controls for it kind of sucks because you don't have two control sticks. Even on the new 3DS, that nub doesn't really work as effective as the uh, C-Stick did on the GameCube. But beside that, it's a very, very lovely uh, remake. Uh, is it remake or remastered? Probably more of a remastered version. Even though I think uh, I saw a video from Digital Foundry and it seems they remade the entire game from the ground up. But it's still like basically shot for shot, uh, so there's not really anything new added except for the multiplayer. But really, Luigi's Mansion was ill and will always be a fantastic game. Even though I think now I, I prefer the sequel, the sequel was just perfect. But uh, yeah, Luigi's Mansion on the 2DS, my number six. 
That's sad, dude, uh, because you just reminded me that, like, I have not played any... I don't think I played anything this year. And that's that's maybe incorrect outside of Dragon Quest Eleven, like, just dabbling earlier in the year, uh, which is kind of sad. I actually... That's one of my biggest regrets is... Um, not having the chance to check out Luigi's Mansion because when I saw the direct, because that was one thing that you were very good at, even with school, you were like, you know, make sure that you check out uh, the the uh, the directs. I mean, we only missed the last month. Other than that, we were doing podcasts like religiously, school or not. And I plan to do that, you know, moving forward as well. That we're gonna have these podcasts ready to go. Um, so that was one of those things where I was very disappointed because I wanted so bad to check that out. And I'm very concerned about later in the year. I think I'll be okay until the summer. I don't think there's going to be too, too many big hits, but I am a little concerned about, um, later on in the year when, you know, like Dragon Quest 11 S comes out and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, oh man, it's going to be very, very hard to resist this stuff and really focus in on on school so yeah that was one of my biggest disappointments of the year was not getting the chance to check that out especially considering that the 3ds has grown into pretty much my favorite portable and so yeah that's that's unfortunate okay uh, so where am I? I'm at number six. Okay, so my number six is yet another uh, Stephen gift this again was a birthday gift right Owlboy? yep yeah, so Owlboy is probably one of the biggest surprises of uh, on my top ten list. And this, you know, now that I think about it, now that I look at all the different titles here, I think it, it probably even deserves to go a little bit higher. This is a, a wonderful, wonderful Metroidvania-style game where you do a lot of exploring, get new power-ups and things like that. Just a really, really fantastic indie release. Uh, that's just awesome. And you'll notice, I, I don't even know if I've said that yet. Like, Moonlighter, Code of, uh, not Code of Princess, but, uh, Night in the Woods. Uh, these are all actually, like, independent releases, which are pretty amazing. You know, like, really, really amazing. If you have the chance, if you like 2D games, which as you can see through my list here, a lot of these games are all 2D games. And, uh, my goodness, I just realized every single one of them so far is a 2D game. In essence, even Octopath Traveler is a is is a sprite based game. So yeah, uh, Owlboy is a really, really, really surprising game. More, I was more surprised with Owlboy than even Moonlighter. Moonlighter was so far, anyway, so far. Moonlighter is has been very good, but Owlboy just blew me away. Owlboy was one of those types of games where I just couldn't put it down until I destroyed it. And which was so funny because what gifts did you buy me for my birthday? Weren't wasn't it Owlboy and and uh Code of Princess? Yep. So there you go. Mr. I never play anything and I have both games, actually three games, even a Christmas gift on my list. Look at that. <laughs> okay. The thing about the uh, Code of Princess though is that uh, you never told me you played it. That's why. You you don't tell me stuff. I know. I have secrets from you. This is this is what happens. Uh, okay, uh, number five was your number nine. I think was your biggest disappointment. Is my number five now? Now I'm so starting with actually number six. Maybe we could have said in with number seven. Okay, 
these were games that I put a lot of time in. Code of Princess, I played through, but I didn't, I didn't destroy. Octopath Traveler, I never even bothered to finish the whole thing. And Moonlighter, like I said, uh, it wasn't, like I only just started it. Night in the Woods, it's not like it's an 80 hour epic. Right? It's just, I just went through the story, enjoyed the story, and so be it. Owlboy is where, starting with Owlboy, is where I put quite a bit of time. Now, to Jared, quite a bit of time means like five hours or up type of thing. So, my number five is Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, or Eevee and Pikachu, whatever. Um, now, why number five and why not higher with this? Well, the thing is, I really, truly enjoyed this remake. And considering Pokemon Yellow will always have a special place in my heart now, thanks to Steven, like, really pushing, saying, you know, you should really try this, and da-da-da, and then finally understanding the complexities and the the minutia that makes that series so interesting, and then going on my huge run of Pokemon where played through several generations, I think three generations, before jumping into uh, Sun and Moon and then Ultra Sun and Moon, uh, actually completed the decks on both of those games and just had a really awesome time. Um, I was really not looking forward to this, okay? Uh, I'll be honest. It was one of these things where in private with discussions with, with you, I had said many times, like, listen, it's not a mainstream release, right? It's like, who cares? Like, it's not a big deal. Relax. You know, don't get your panties in a bunch. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, but the reality is, now that I've actually gone and played it, I, I actually take back some of those things because it really is a mainstream release. Like, it is straight up, like Steven said in his review, it's straight up a remake of Pokemon Yellow. Like, there's, it, it really is. If, if you haven't played it yet, it, it is. And with that comes a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of unfortunate elements, I, I consider anyway. I really wasn't into the the catch mechanic. I still am not into the catch mechanic. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, and it feels old. Like, I love the visual design. I still think, though, it was a little rushed, personally. I think it was a little rushed. Like, yesterday, I, uh, I spent a good hour or so... Uh, like trying to catch uh, Mewtwo just because like he was whooping my butt and I don't know there's there's a couple of places where it looks like they they went a little fast with it but it's fun it's just then I you know I think of like okay well Steven and I we can trade back and forth and he can help me fill up my decks right but I look at this and I'm like uh like it's all the same Pokemon that we've ever used and have been using, especially you guys, you hardcore fans, that you've been using for, like, literally decades now. For me, I only got into this, like, a year or two ago, and already, like, the fatigue is there, where I'm like, okay, like, I'd like to try something else. I'd like to, to play as, as a few other things to see some new Pokemon and stuff like that. And the online features are just absolutely hilarious, and that's what I'm referring to, where I'm like, ugh, because it's... It's just ridiculous. To be honest, it's not even... I don't even have to compare it to like a 2002 release, 2008 release, a 2000 whatever. This game has more primitive online features than the Sega Saturn's Netlink features of Duke Nukem 3D. I kid you not. It's... It's just, it's inexcusable. At this point in time, it's completely inexcusable. And it really annoys me because 
they're basically like Blizzard in the sense that they can do no wrong. You know, like they're one of the only companies, the Pokemon company, that could actually get away with releasing a game in 2018 with such pathetic online features. Like, they're really the only company that could do this. And you'll see what I mean when I talk about Blizzard uh, a little bit later on. So there you go. That's my number six and number five. And we had a, an interesting discussion on this uh, earlier today when uh, you were mentioning that uh, guys like you shouldn't be reviewing Dragon Quest and stuff like that, and I was disagreeing with you. And I was talking about how... Uh, like my review of Pokemon is probably one of the most detailed one you'll find and that's the problem I have with Pokemon is that uh, the general media like the IGNs and everybody of this world they don't have a Pokemon guy like me they're reviewing so the fact that you and I can talk about how ridiculous this online mode is uh, none of the mainstream reviews said anything about that not a single word and that really pisses me off because it's been like this forever with Pokemon and that's why this series has seen and it's still my favorite series ever but it has seen so little improvements in the online area which is critical and it's an area that they could grow the series so much it has so much potential untouched potential and they like you said they can do no wrong there nobody is actually challenging them in that area which is why I would have hoped there would have been a bit more traction to my review. I know it's long, and I know I'm not the best at talking and whatnot, but it's just stuff like that. I wish they would realize that they are... They know they have a gold mine. obviously. They're making tons of money. Pokemon is the most profitable franchise ever, including all, like, Spider-Man... Media. All media, like Star Wars, everything. So they have made money with this. But still, like, it, it sucks that they're getting away with lower quality yeah and just before you continue i just wanted to um to say i i actually i i i see your point now uh when we were texting back and forth about that uh it's just i always fear like if you don't know guys every time there's a new zelda or dragon quest like steven's like really i'm not joking where he'll be texting me constantly saying like where's the review where's the review where's the review like get the review out damn you lazy bastard and so on and so forth um, and I'm always hesitant. I really am always hesitant because am I looking at this as a fanboy? Like, you know, as like a hardcore fan? That's why I've always been, um, reserved when it comes to writing reviews because it's like, am I actually going to be looking at this objectively or is it like it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread? And the last review that I did for that was uh, my Dragon Quest XI review. And I, I actually rewatched it this morning, uh, talking with Steven. I actually stand by with what I, I say there, cause I am actually a little, uh, objective about certain things. I talk about certain things that didn't work quite as well. And I actually had a war with, uh, quite a few people on YouTube when I, when I declared that the 3DS version was actually better than the, uh, the PS4 version in terms of content and just overall difficulty and stuff like that. So you know what? I'm going to take back with what I said in the text, and I think you're right. As long as we can remain objective, as long as we can remain objective, I think it's an asset to have a guy like you for Pokemon and a guy like me for Zelda and uh, for um, for Dragon Quest. I think it is an asset. And I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't download Dragon Quest Builders 2 
three weeks ago when I first got off because I actually could have done videos on that and spoken about how good it was or how bad it was or anything like that. But the truth is I've just been, like you said, I, I no longer, I'm no longer with it. So I kind of dropped the ball with that. But anyways, sorry, you may continue. I'm just saying you still have a chance. You don't start school <laughs> till sat next Saturday. Just I saying. know. I know. All right. Number five for me is uh, Bloodstain Curse of the Moon. And I Ooh. almost said Circle of the Moon, even though I have it written right in front of my <laughs> eyes. Uh, I've said this. I'll say it again. This will be better than whatever the, the name of the next game is. The cer- what, what's the name of the game? Ritual of the Night. Ritual of the Night. This will be better. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but the news that they brought in, what? who did they brought way forward? Yeah, yep. I don't. Way Forward is a very talented developer. Don't get me wrong, but that's not a good sign when when this late in the game for a game that has been delayed for like three years now. Still, it could it could come out and be the best game ever. Let's hope so. But anyway, I don't want to talk about that game. I want to talk about Curse of the Moon. All my top five remaining games, by the way, are all two D games, like you mentioned before. Uh, Curse of the Moon, just fantastic. I simply destroyed this game when it came out. Played it, never, never stop. Just amazing. I, I always preferred, like I've said, and this was a surprise to the the two D Castlevanias over the Metroidvania Castlevanias. Even though I still like those, I like the action bits. I like the the only thing about this game for some reason was the soundtrack. The soundtrack didn't hook me, and that's weird because I usually never mention that stuff. But uh, I think you might have this game coming up, so I don't want to talk too much about it. So I'll wait for you. Uh, if you do, if you don't, well, maybe we'll talk about it a bit more later. Uh, number four is Octopath Traveler. Uh, for you, it was a disappointment. For me, it was a surprise because I've I, I did a review of this and I mentioned to, uh, the two biggest faults of, of the game. Uh, the first one, which I said was the story, which you did mention before. But like I said before, I don't actually, which is surprising, play RPGs or games in general for the story. Me, storylines are usually bonuses and there's stuff that will, uh, like, example, Last of Us 2. Last of Us 2 would have been a fantastic game without the story. The story just made it that much better. Octopath Traveler's story uh, sucks, in my opinion. Like, it, it's just, there's three of the eight characters' storyline that are worth following. Uh, they're entertaining, I won't give it away, but the, the other... Five, I just basically skipped dialogue after a while. And the the, the thing that doesn't, uh, that uh, kind of broke the uh, the reality, or I don't know what the word I'm using here, is that these characters don't really interact with each other. So sometimes an event will happen where the other characters are in your party uh, one second ago, and then after the battle, they're gone for no reason, and something will happen to one of your characters that could have been easily preventable if those your uh, your party members would have done something about it so you have to su- uh, suspend your disbelief in this game for some reason the other fault i have with it is it's extremely grindy and that one bothered me a bit and that's probably why it's number four instead of being two or one is that uh, i played this game for i believe 65 hours i did everything in it except beating the true uh, final boss of it which would have required me to grind another 20 or 25 hours because you need to put everybody up at level 70 i believe and that includes the characters you're not using so it would have taken me a while so the game is extremely grindy and that's something i don't really like but what saved this for me was 
the boss battles. This game has the best uh, boss battles in an RPG I've ever played. It's just amazing. These bosses can last up to 45 minutes sometimes. Especially the... Uh, what do you call them? Those bosses that are not part of the game. These like, super yeah, bosses. Yeah, the super yeah, yeah. bosses. Yeah, those like are just so much fun to play. And you've, you're familiar with that because you play a lot of Dragon Quest. And I'm sure some of these bosses can take a long time. And it's just so much fun. The battle system, I think, is one of my favorite I've ever played in an RPG. Maybe uh, just Shadow Hearts I can think of that I prefer over Octopath. Like, it's that good. Uh the visual styles, awesome. Like this was just an awesome game, and I think in ten years this game will be regarded even better than it is today. I think this will, is a game that will age like wine. I think people will uh, remember it with a because it, it it did good, it did fine. I think it has a Metacritic of eighty or eighty five or something. But I think as the years goes by, this is one of those games that will only go up in uh, esteem. Yeah, like I said, my my only thing with it was. I found, like, I really would have loved it if all the heroes would have come together in in just a better way. I will give you, granted, okay, there's a few things that I really loved with it, the battle system being one of them. And I knew that this was going to be higher on your list, which is why I didn't, I didn't really say anything. But the battle system is is one of the best <coughs> battle systems I've played in a very long time. And in terms of super bosses and stuff like that, people are so funny because um, they don't quite – not everybody quite gets it. And so it was nice to hear you you talk about that because one of the reasons that I personally like doing some of those boss battles is because it's – it's like it's like a mountain, you know? When you see a mountain, why do you climb the mountain? Sometimes the best answer is because it was there. You know what I mean? And and that's what I've always loved with some of those super bosses, especially in like Dragon Quest, where you have to grind like crazy, get your characters to ridiculously high levels, and then it's not just a question about being at a high level anymore. It's about optimizing your gear and optimizing your loadout and stuff like that because these characters were designed to truly test whether or not you 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 have what it takes to to beat them and really understand like the gameplay mechanics perfectly it's why i adored the 3DS remake of Dragon Quest 8 uh, for Memories Lane because every single one of those characters there tested one element or one aspect of Dragon Quest 8 that you truly had to master in order to take down those bosses some of them being unbelievably difficult like just unbelievably difficult there's one in particular where if you didn't poison it you basically had no way of winning like, there was just no way, because he could one-shot you in, well, one shot, obviously. In one turn, he could just wipe you out. So all you did was you just jabbed him with a poison, and then heal, buff, 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 heal, 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 defend, defend, defend. That's basically it. And when you realize that, when you realize, like, that's the only way to beat him... It's so fulfilling. It's so rewarding. And that's what I love about those type of super bosses. But unfortunately today, the one thing that kind of sucks is like a guy like Steven would just Google this or go on YouTube, find out how it's done, and then that's it. And that kind of sucks because that was the beautiful thing 
about discovering this stuff on your own or discussing this like with friends and saying, how the hell did you beat that douchebag? And to find out like, oh, well, you just, you know, poison is the key or something. And you're like, oh, damn you. Anyway. All right. So where do we leave off? Number four. Number four. So my number four is the Zelda clone that uh, Stephen was mentioning, which was Blossom Tales. This was a superb game and was really happy to learn that the Switch version of this game <coughs> sold so well that it actually saved the company. It's a little independent studio and they were actually going to go belly up because they didn't make that much money on the other platforms that this was released on. But the the Switch version did so well that, voila, the company was saved. This is This is literally like a Zelda clone, like straight up a Zelda clone. And I love me some Zelda. I think, honestly, as excellent as... Uh, Breath of the Wild was. I don't know if 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 you or I have spoken about this, uh, maybe in text and stuff like that. But I really hope that the traditional Zelda doesn't disappear forever. I really, really hope that it sticks around because A Link to the Past remains my favorite video game of all time for a reason, and. It holds up superbly well. You can, you can get people who have never played the game before. And yeah, they'll say, whoa, it's a little long in the tooth. In other words, it lasts a little bit longer. They'll say, why, why do certain weapons, like, why don't they do anything? And stuff like that. But for me, that gameplay is tried and true. And it's fine. Breath of the Wild, like I said, Breath of the Wild was a phenomenal experiment. And I definitely want to see more Zelda games like that, more open ended, allowing you to do different things. I, I think that's awesome, but I just don't want that classic gameplay to be gone for good. And this is why I kind of, I'm kind of sad that we don't have some sort of successor to the 3DS because what I was thinking was maybe we could have like a Zelda, like a, a classic quote unquote traditional Zelda games on like their, their portable, dedicated portable device, but it doesn't seem like this is going to happen anymore. So games like Blossom Tales, are what make me very happy because they keep that gameplay alive. And I'm really, really happy about that. And that's why it's so high on my list. Even though, yes, technically it's a 2017 release on the Switch, uh, we really played this early in the year and we both had an absolute blast with this. And uh, I, if you have not played Blossom Tales, I highly recommend you go check it out. It's a fantastic game. Do you want to add anything to that? What's the subtitle of the game again? Mm, that's a good question. I had it open. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Sleeping King. Yeah, yeah. It was a really funny game too. Something you, it's worth noting. Uh, yeah. That like uh, your grandfather is basically telling you a story, and sometimes you can change some elements to it when he's asking you uh, what enemies were in the cave, and you get to choose stuff like that. It's really a really fun game. I I actually loved how they they acknowledge the fact that it's a Zelda clone. Like they're not they actually have fun with it because like the game starts off and it basically like they're talking literally like you're about to play this link type of thing, you know, like an elf in green. He, like the grandfather's like, what do you think this is? Like uh, you're going to be like an elf wearing green garb or whatever. You know, I thought that was awesome. It's it's a really, really good game. 
Okay, number three is a game that Stephen mentioned earlier, which is Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. This was a really good game. This was a really, really good game that, uh, believe it or not, Stephen actually destroyed before I even had a chance to really get into it. And this, I agree with you, though. Uh, outside of the, the first level, I think it was, I th- yeah, I think it was the first level, the rest of the music, it's not that it was bad. It was more that it just wasn't as fitting as Castlevania. And now, I'm going to make a little tangent here. Um, I still have hope for Ritual of the Night because we've got two demos and both demos have been superb. But that doesn't mean I'm not worried. I'm very much worried. I am. I'm very, very much worried because I adore Metroidvania-style games. I do. I really do. And I adore... Castlevania traditional Castlevania style games. Why I say Rondo of Blood is one of my favorite video games ever made. And Stephen, for the love of God, you need to invest some time into that game. You really, really do. And it sucks. I mean, it sucks that the, the, I forget what they called it, but Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood were just made uh, available on the PlayStation 4. And I don't, for the life of me, understand why something like that would be console exclusive. It would be awesome to be able to play that on the Switch on the go. Uh, but you really, you really need to play that one, man. It's, it, it takes everything that you like from the action games and it, it offers like multiple paths and stuff, but not in an obvious way. Like you'll, you'll go to make a jump, you'll get hit by a Medusa head and then fall into a pit. But instead of dying, you realize that there was a whole other level, like a sub level below you, which is absolutely incredible. So, uh, let's see. So we're talking about Curse of the Moon. What else do you want me to say that you, uh, that you didn't talk about? Cause you said we can talk about it after. Uh, yeah, we you can talk about the different in the difficulties and the different end bosses because there's a lot of things you need to do in that game to do everything right. I believe you need to beat it like five or six times. I ended up, I think I be, I beat it nine times or ten times. I had like ten save files, cleared save files, but like I started playing on casual, I believe, which which didn't have like the not back. Yeah. And yep. something else. I don't remember what it was. It was the lives. It was the lives. Okay, so yeah. instead of having like three continues or, or, or three lives or something like that, uh, you yeah, had unlimited. like unlimited, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and by the time I, I played on the uh, what's normal or casual or hardcore, whatever, whatever it's called, yeah, yeah. I was so used with the game that it was uh, really it was okay and i thought that actually i prefer i much preferred playing on the harder difficulty because the game is a bit on the easy side when you play it on the other uh, the other uh, the other one yeah okay, okay so that's that for me n- number 3 was what your number 6 or your number 7 which is uh, night in the woods uh I don't know what's uh, what the thing is with this game. I, I, I like you said, I did a review of it, and I think it really is uh, the town of this game. I don't remember what it's called, but it really is the main character for me. And anybody can play this game and come out with a different experience. And I think 
the experience I came out which was really unique. It really touched uh, touched me because this felt like my hometown, it, exactly like it is. Like I I said in my review, like uh, I was always hesitant about buying a house here, and finally after having kids, like I I didn't really have a choice. I didn't want to live in an apartment with two kids and stuff like that, so I bought a house. And I always was afraid of that because uh, my town is dependent on the wood industry and I've lived through it when I was young. My dad uh, has worked in that industry for most of his life and he was always getting laid off. Like he worked in, I think, three, uh, we call it usines, I don't know what you, what you call it, uh, three mills that uh, shut down. I've worked myself Uh, in three different mills and one of those no longer exists and uh, I'm only 33 so this happens all the time it also something that's uh, always variant on the Canada uh, United States relationship because we obviously sell a lot of wood there so it's basically an industry that is really unreliable unreliable and so Basically, even though this town has been around since the 1920s, uh, it could go away in like an instant. It could become a ghost town in like a year or two. If if tomorrow the the demand for wood dra- drastically goes down, uh, everybody will move. I will be out of a job, and I will be stuck with a 25 year uh, mortgage and a house that's worth nothing, and I will have to move and start over. And it's it will be a nightmare. And that's basically what I got out of Night in the Woods, even though there's a lot of different stuff in that game, and that's just a small part of the story. That's what made this game so, uh, that grabbed me so much. And you you mentioned how short of a game this is. This is a game that can probably be beaten in eight hours. I've played that game for over 40 hours. I don't know what it is about this game. It's just, it's something that I think if you if you're from a small town, And you've had maybe a, a similar experience than me. And if you've dropped dropped out of school to go back home and felt a bit like a like a failure because of that stuff stuff like that, I think you you will uh, you will exp- have a lot of fun with this game. And even if you're you come from a big city and you don't really have this experience, maybe you'll still love it. It's a really really well. A written game, uh, really fantastic, w- well made. Uh, I don't know who the developers of this game are, but like whatever they make next, will will have my money for sure. Yeah, and you know it doesn't have to be a um, a small town because after you were telling me, you're like, oh, I'm not sure if you're going to enjoy it or whatever. It it's a captivating story, and I mean, it it, it is what it is, you know, and. For you, you will always have a job. <clears throat> don't worry about that. You're always, always going to have a job. You don't have to worry. You have well, to, maybe you, not here. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be fine. Don't Because you worry. Because if there's nobody to buy the product that I'm selling, you know? If you don't know this, I'm not going to go into detail what Steven does, but he basically, he feeds the homeless. It's <laughs> a, uh, he has a very rewarding job. Yeah. And my cat is bitching at us. He's like, would you please hurry it up? Okay, so what number was that? Number three, so I'm, I, that's my turn for number two. Uh, number two for me is Celeste. Uh, Celeste. Of course, I was waiting for that. Like I've said, it's another game I've reviewed. Uh, I've said before that they have, there have been amazing platformers. These have existed for years and years and years. 
But this is the first time where I play a platformer that's amazing, that has a style, uh, the, the, caliber, the caliber of a story like Last of Us 2. Celeste has the best story I've ever seen in a platformer and one of the best story I've ever seen in a video game, period. And it's a 2D pixel art game. And it's it, it For me, it looks beautiful, but every time my girlfriend saw me play it, she didn't understand. She thinks like she thinks pixel pixel art is ugly and easy and easy to do for for some reason. But like the story of that game is fantastic, and it's hard to explain because it's not like it has like cinematics or movies like and like motion capture and stuff like that. It's just basically dialogue i don't even remember if there's voice acting in the game like i seriously don't remember but the music so. and the dialogue and just the sound effects and the visuals tell such a wonderful story and it's it's kind of like what you said before uh, about the mountain and why do you climb it because it's there because this celeste is not an easy game like i don't think this is a game jared would 2018 Jared would enjoy because I've seen you play Super Mario Maker and I don't know where your skills went but they're not there anymore that's for sure Amen sister Amen (laughs) because this game is hard very 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 hard but what I like about the difficulty is that it's only small chunks like it's hard for 10 seconds if you do that 10 seconds you don't have to do it again because there's a save point there's a checkpoint every 10 or 15 seconds so it's really, really rewarding when you finally do beat those damn levels and do finally climb the mountain. And just the story, the characters. Uh, phenomenal game, Celeste, that would have been number one if not for my next one. But I'll let you go with your number two now. Okay, Unless you have anything say, to say. Yeah, I do. I have a few things. Uh, just Well, really, really quickly. If I were to... Like, if you, someone were to ask me what on the Super Nintendo... Which games had the best story? Okay? One of those games that I would say would be Super Metroid. And do you know how many lines of dialogue there are in Super Metroid? There's like, I think someone did it. I think it's like seven lines or something like that in the whole game. And, and this is one of the reasons why, uh, in a lot of times, less is more. And I mean that. And Super Metroid, when... uh, Spoiler alert, but when the baby Metroid comes back at the end of of the game, to this day, if I I play it on the, the SNES Mini right now... I will get goosebumps because of all the build-up and everything, and yet there was no dialogue. Like, it was all told through the actions of the characters, through the environments and stuff like that. So I just wanted to say that, like, I completely understand what you're saying, and I hope I hope with the example I just gave that others will understand what you're saying about Celeste. Uh, Celeste is the type of game that I if if I didn't suck so bad at playing games today... I would be all over that. I really would because I like the story that it's setting up. I, I played it for like an hour or two and I was like, yeah, this is definitely for me. Like definitely. Um, okay, so my number two, and there's not going to be guessing this year, nothing like that because I'm actually, because I'm so lost with um, with with everything going on in the industry and whatever, I'll be honest, I honestly don't even know which game you're referring to. Uh, but my number two this year is Dragon Quest Builders. I had so much fun with the Switch version 
Uh, it was crazy. I liked the the improvements made upon the PlayStation uh, version in the sense that like challenges now were no longer timed, so that you could actually enjoy yourself as you went through to build like uh, Erdrich's gear and stuff like that. I I'm a huge Dragon Quest fan. I really am. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's Dragon Quest, like Minecraft Dragon Quest. And I think that is not a fair comparison because it was never trying to be a Dragon Quest Minecraft sort of uh, ripoff. I think it, 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 you can't say that it's, it's not a clone of Minecraft course, but it's, it really stuck to its roots in the sense that this is a story driven game. It it's not meant to give you the freedom to build and go crazy. There's a whole separate mode they have that allows you to do that. And is it perfect? Not at all. Uh, the fact that you have to constantly, every time there's a new chapter, you have to, you know, start from scratch all over again type of thing. I, I totally understand people's complaints with the game. Absolutely. But that being said, I still loved almost everything to do with it. I really did. I thought this was a really excellent game. So yeah, I don't this, know if you want anything before yeah, my number one. This is one of those games that I had to cut from my top ten. It just didn't make it. But, uh, yeah, I, I've played a lot of Minecraft like back in the day, and that was my biggest problem with Dragon Quest. I, I, I reviewed it. I had a blast with it. But I wish they, they gave you more freedom to build and more... Cr- they, let you be uh, use more of your creativity like every time mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. made you do something you always had uh, a patent that you needed to follow like block to block and you did you needed certain parts and you needed to do it a certain way and that was it and i thought that was a missed uh, opportunity because when you have like a block building game like this uh, it's okay to give us a bit of a structure but let us explore let us use what we find uh, to build the stuff that we need to build. I thought that would have made it a much better game. And I don't think they've done that for builders too, although I no, would I be curious so. to try it out. But I wish they'd just give us a bit more freedom uh, with it. Uh, that I think... Uh, you can also leave, you can also give us, like uh, for those that don't have a creative side, you can give them... A, a template like like you did and they can follow it uh, if you want to but at least give us uh, the option to do it our way that's that's pretty much my biggest complaint with the builders although not taking any way, anything away from it it was an excellent game yeah and 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 just so you know guys when he says patent he's talking about pattern um but yes, that's and I'll agree with you. I'll totally, totally agree with you. What I I personally would have preferred was in the open, in the open mode or the free range mode or whatever. If they would have done that a little bit differently, because the fact that you still had to go and explore and recollect all different like items and this and that and everything else, you had uh, to that, uh, play the main game, no, to unlock. Yes, that you did. Stuff yeah, 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 yeah. That's the problem yeah. I had with that is that you still needed to play like forty hours before you unlocked everything in that yeah. uh, that mode. Yeah, well, th- that's what I'm saying. So, like, uh, it was actually like twofold. So, not only did you have to like, let's say you wanted the island from the first, uh, or like the equipment or items rather, from the first uh, act. So you had to complete act one in order to unlock the free range mode or free build or whatever it was called 
in in the game. Now the problem with that was then you had to go and collect all the items all over again in that mode in order to 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 build whatever it is you wanted to build. I, I think that could have been handled a little bit better. I'm not a game designer, so I don't know how they could have necessarily like fixed that. Um, but the fact that you had to go and collect the stuff already, why didn't you just have it unlocked from the get-go? Because no matter what, Steven's character would still need to go out there and break the different blocks, collect the different things, and then build whatever he wanted to build. So it felt a little bit disjointed to me. It was felt like you were extending the game's length for the sake of extending the game's length. But I'll, I'll agree with you in the, in the, the patterns and stuff like that, that they, they released the blueprints. That could have been done, I think, in a, in a different way. I get, part of me gets what they were trying to do, at least from my understanding, is that they were trying to give you sort of like a, almost like a, a framework to give you ideas of what you could do. That if you did this block with this, you can make a, say like a river or a pond rather. And if you did this with this, you could add some sort of defense mechanism, stuff like that. But the downside to doing that is you lose the luster of the freedom that Minecraft offers you because Minecraft doesn't just like walk you through, hold your hand. It's the idea of you, you messing around and discovering what works, what doesn't work and stuff like that. And by the end of the game, I was getting a little bit like annoyed with having to rebuild the base over and over and over and over again, only for a boss to come in at the very end and destroy it in like 10 seconds. And then you leave never to see that base again. That was a little bit, a little bit, disjointed and i could actually tell you if they fix that in 10 seconds all i'd have to do is play the japanese version of the game and i'll know right away do you have if, any uh, idea about the game did you read anything about it do you know nothing dude no man no? nothing absolutely nothing and, and just a real quick scan on uh, youtube shows that absolutely like no one is uh has imported the game like there's only a couple of videos of basic, like, you know, 20 minutes of someone just messing around with it, but not even talking over it or anything. So it's just a real shame when I start back to school because I think that could actually have brought us a lot of different views of not necessarily a full, like, <coughs> gameplay, like, yeah, exactly. for Dragon Quest Eleven, but just... Uh, tons of time, man. Yeah, you say that, but... Uh, well, anyways, we shall see. We shall Download see what I can it do. And record footage for this podcast while playing that. Oh yeah, of course you would say that. <laughs> I've always got to try to hook you. I know, I know, I'm like and do a it. Drug dealer. I, I need to. I need to hook <laughs> He's you. always pushing. He's always pushing. <laughs> okay, so my number one is a game that I did just for just for you, and I hope you're happy uh, because the truth is that this year uh, my life was uh, was a roller coaster ride of emotion. Uh, it really was. It was, it was a, it's been a, an insane year. We're recording this, uh, on Sunday, December 30th. And it, it was a really, it was a really hard year this year in some regards. Uh, going back to school is not an easy thing to do when you're 75 years old. Uh, it, it, it's hard. You know, when you haven't been to school in so many years, you, you doubt your abilities, you know, you're like, well, do I, can I still do this type of thing? Um, and then of course, you know, you have all the gaming, you have this giant community, over 10,000 people, uh, are interacting with us on YouTube. It's an amazing feeling. And you're like, well, I don't want to let these people down. You have your friends, family, same deal. And it was just, it was a really, 
hard year. I won't lie. It was, it was a really, really hard year. And knowing that I have three semesters left to, to go through this is, uh, it, it's hard, you know, it's really, really hard. And so this, what does this have to do with anything is, is that over the last week, I think it's only been a week, something like that, maybe two weeks tops. Steven and I have gone through and we've been playing Diablo 3 and he said like he didn't realize I was such a big fan. I am a, I'm a huge Blizzard fan. I'm one of these guys, uh, no joke, going dating back to Warcraft, like the original Warcraft on PC. I've loved Blizzard. Blizzard and Nintendo have been my two like favorite companies, I think forever. And yes, I adore Dragon Quest and I've been a huge Enix fan for years and years. It's not exactly the same uh, because Enix made Dragon Quest and only Dragon Quest, right? Like I wasn't a huge fan of every other game they ever made. I just really, I don't know what it is. There's something about Dragon Quest that I've just loved. Like the, the theme when Overture plays, I get goosebumps, you know? Uh, but with Nintendo, it was like they had Mario, they had Zelda, they had Metroid, they had so on and so forth. Like they made a ton of games. And I always felt special back in the day when like Fire Emblem was exclusive to Japan and here I am playing through that and I, I just loved it. But with Blizzard, Blizzard really is another Nintendo and it's why I'm very nervous about the future of that company now that uh, Activision is getting more and more and more involved because like I said with the Pokemon company Blizzard really for a long long time was the only company on earth that would be able to get away with not making a sequel to a game that sold like 20 or 30 million copies and then you just leave your fans for a decade or more with nothing (laughs) you give them nothing and then you finally release a sequel and that sequel goes on to being you know one of the highest selling video games in history and then yet again you you do nothing (laughs) for it for years and years and years and diablo is a great example of that Diablo 1 was a a really awesome dungeon crawler. That that's basically all it was. Super simple by today's standards, but it was an amazing game. And when Diablo 2 came out and really expanded upon what the first Diablo did, it it sold unbelievable. It like it was the highest selling PC game for Decades, like forever, like, okay, decades is pushing it, but for a long, long time. Warcraft, when Warcraft 3 came out, they pretty much perfected real-time strategy games. And these were the only games that I really played on PC for any any amount of time. And just getting into World of Warcraft, I'll tell you, if, if there was a console, like let's say World of Warcraft somehow could be replicated on the Switch, I assure you I could get Steven hooked on that game and that's why Diablo 3 is on this list is because of the friendship it's about the memories and and things like that playing Diablo 3 alone like if if Steven never got back into not got back into it but if he never played this it wouldn't even be on my top 10 because it's a game from like what five six years ago now that I played on PC I destroyed it on PC and 
it's the game that's released today is nothing like the game that was originally launched. People forget, but when Diablo 3 was originally launched, it came with a real money auction house. So like the gear that you found, you could actually sell for real money. And that basically broke the whole game because if I had a lot of cash, I could just spend it and and max out like a character in no time. And then, you know, just just wreck face. And it was like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. There was no adventure mode back then. There were no seasons, none of that stuff. And so I, I actually played through the PlayStation 4 version with my brother. And then when the Switch version came out, I was I was planning to purchase that for you, by the way, for Christmas. But I was like, I'm not sure because you had mentioned multiple times that, you know, you never got into it. It was too complicated or this, that, and the other thing. So I was like, ah, I don't know. So instead I got him a bunch of other stuff. But playing Diablo 3 with Steven, even though we barely chat, I think we've chatted like maybe two or three times in the in the amount of times that we've played the game. But it comes down to what I've always loved about gaming which if I'm going to play multiplayer co-op is where it's at for me especially today it's why like going through the halos with Steven or some of the or Gears of War some of my greatest like video game memories are us staying up all hours of the night with me dying excessively and Steven like you know are like are your yeah, the, eyes open the roles are reversed with Diablo which I love because like uh, uh, to be honest like if it wasn't for you like I had no clue you were Diablo tree guy or Diablo guy so I put this on the list but like if I would have known you were a Diablo guy I would have bought that like at launch I would have played this uh, way earlier because I always prefer, like you, I prefer co-op. The only game I like playing competitively is Pokemon. But besides that, like, this is a blast to play online with you. Even when you are not playing, sometimes I'm barely doing anything. I'm just following you right at your back because I'll, I'll get killed instantly if I don't. And it's fun. I don't know why. And uh, I'm learning a lot. In fact, probably once we're done this, if my kids are still sleeping, I'll go and try to finish off the fourth chapter of the season. And it's just a lot of fun and I hope we get a chance to continue this once uh, school starts for you. I hope so and I mean the the one saving grace truly the one saving grace we have with it is that you don't really need to chat very much because the tools that are in the game allow you so that like you can follow one another and the new season starts I think January 18th something like that um, and it'll be fun. It'll be fun to either try, you know, a new build or a new character. And I, I still have lots of stuff to explain to you about this. And it's, um, it's fun that just getting into this, like I said, is especially after the year I've had, uh, it's, it just, it's nice. It's nice to have those memories of like just, just sitting back, relaxing and playing a game together. And it's one of the reasons why moving ahead, I absolutely can't wait for Animal Crossing. For oh, that man. reason, yeah, you're just for that you're reason. Just reminding me, that's 2019. Yeah, man. <laughs> so that'll that'll probably be. I'll, I'll tell you right now, guys. With the schedule I have, expect that to be my number one game next year, unless unless something else like comes out that like is just glorious. I'm positive that that will be that will be my game of the year because it requires no time <laughs> to play it. You can just play it for five, ten yeah, minutes, what, laugh. What and usually happens is that you say that, but you ended up you end up playing it for like ten hours in a day, and going to bed at like four a.m. 
Yeah, well, that's your your fault. <laughs> so, but yeah, okay, yeah. So that's just it. saying that. You, yeah, 2019 will probably be Animal Crossing and Pokemon 2019 for me. Those two games will be hard to beat unless they're horrible for some reason. It's hard to mess up an, an Animal Crossing, although I can see it happening with Pokemon. Uh, but with Animal Crossing, I, I would be surprised if that game doesn't end up at number one or number two next year. Okay, for me, I'm now down to my number one, and I, I'm surprised you already forgot about this game, but it's from a little studio called Sabotage. Uh, it's from a studio oh, based right. in, yeah. uh, in, in Quebec City. Uh, it's The Messenger, and it was released yeah. uh, in August. When was this released? August? Maybe? Yeah, summer, late summer, yeah. I think. And it came out for the Switch and on uh, Steam, so whatever version you, you get, doesn't matter, just get it. Uh, I've said it, and I'll say it again. It's probably my favorite game of all time. Uh, I'm going to wait a few years to say it, because you never know. Uh, a Link to the Past has been my favorite game, although Super Mario World is close. It's, it's debatable, but those two games are hard to beat. But The Messenger might be the one to do it, and it's just that uh, that incredible. It's a bit unfortunate that not as many people played The Messenger on the Switch as they did with the... Uh, Stardew Valley, as they did with Celeste, as they did with uh, Golf Story, it didn't catch on as much. And I think some of it has to do with the name. The Messenger is not really a name that catches on. You don't really... Like, it's 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 a game that the first few hours is... It's kind of... plays like... Nin- <coughs> <coughs> well, sorry about that. plays like Ninja Gaiden at the beginning, and then it becomes a Metroidvania. So... If the name would have been more of a, ve- a reference to Ninja Gaiden or something, I think it would have been a bit more successful. That being said, it, they're still coming out with uh, free DLC, I believe, in January. And they did release an update with a new Game Plus, uh, stuff like that. So they are still supporting this game. They know they have a solid game in, ahead of them. Uh, just unfortunately, like I said, it's not getting the same kind of success. Other Switch games I've found, but it's still... I think it's it's sold 50,000 units in its first week, so it's not like for an indie release. I don't think it's terrible. It's done terrible by any means, but it's still not getting the amount of love it deserves. And really, I don't know how to describe this game. It's just, I've told you when I was texting you when I was playing this game, and I was like, man, this is the most frustrated game I've ever played. Like, it's incredibly hard because there's a mechanic in this game where there's no double jump. Instead of double jump, you can jump unlimited as long as you hit something. So if you jump in the air and you hit an enemy, you can jump again. Hit another enemy and you can jump again. Basically like this, infinite. So there are levels where there's basically no floor. (laughs) So you can see where this goes. So you have to go from point A to point B. And if you don't, hit an enemy, you die because you'll you'll fall in the pit and that's very pretty common and you die pretty quickly. So I was extremely, extremely frustrated by this game because unlike Celeste, it's not 5-10 seconds. Like You need checkpoints and those checkpoints uh, can be a few minutes apart sometimes. So I did not expect uh, this to like it as much but then I finally... Uh, beat it after like 20 hours I did 100% of it and then I I immediately right after started another 20 hour game and something amazing happened on the second time I played to this game I found the game to be almost uh, a breeze like it was extremely well not extremely it was easy 
And this was a game that a few a few days ago I thought was the most frustrating game I've ever played. It's just once you actually play the game, like any game out there, you get better, obviously. But it's just you learn the mechanics, you get less frustrated. Because I found sometimes that even in a part that was extremely frustrated, if I would put the game down and come back to it like 30 minutes later, I would do it the first time. It's just something you have to control your uh, your emotions with games like this. And I think that even though this game is extremely hard, I think this is a game you would adore. I, 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 I know, I'm pretty sure you would, because even though Ninja Gaiden is not really your thing, it becomes a Metroidvania uh, about five hours in. And it's when, when that hits, you get to switch between the 8-bit and the 16-bit graphics, and the soundtrack is phenomenal. It, and like you can play this in so many different languages, including French, and Quebecois, which is what I played, I played it in, and it's just hilarious. It has a great sense of humor, very well made, and it's a game that I hope gets more love and it needs it because I can't wait to see what these guys come up with next. Yeah, I totally forgot about that, and uh, you're right. That's another one that I would uh, I would like to to play. So just looking as a quick wrap up because we're already over the hour here. <clears throat> I can't get over how many of the games that I picked are 2D or play 2D. Even Diablo 3, technically, you know, with its its viewpoint, it's not like a fully... Yes, it is fully 3D and everything like that. But, my God, like, almost everything on my <laughs> list is, like, 2D. It's crazy. All right, so I, uh, I hope everybody had an excellent uh, 2018. And you should let us know, what were your top 10 games of the year i'm sure you guys or at least a lot of you that are listening had uh, experienced way more than uh, than we have and it's sort of sad how like like my xbox one is gone my playstation 4 is essentially a a blu-ray player and it's uh, it's a little sad but uh say la vie so, uh, yeah, I, I got nothing else. I just wish you all, uh, you know, a happy new year. Have a fantastic 2019. And Stephen and I will continue our madness throughout the year. Do you have any closing comments you'd like to, uh, to say? Uh, just wishing everybody a happy new year. And hopefully next year, Jared won't be an ass and we'll be able to continue with these podcasts every two weeks. Sounds good. That's, uh, that will have to be my new year's resolution. All right, everybody. So you all take care. Be sure to leave a comment and uh, we will catch you in the new year. Take care, everyone.